Welcome to Shopcast, a weekly podcast where we answer questions about some of the most important values of the growing prayer movement in Canada. My name is Emily, and joining me today, as always, is Brian Creary, Director of Sanctuary House of Prayer in Winnipeg, and also my dad. Hey, Em. Hi. Oh, we got a good one today. <laughs> I'm excited about this one. So we're going to take a little break from the kind of the theme that we've been on, because it's been sort of unfolding week by week, but we're going to try something different today. Of course, everybody knows that the whole point of this uh, season two is we're, f- we're focusing on things that you should be spending time on during the disruption of the pandemic. But I got a new one for you. I think we should read and reread and look and look at consistently the book of Song of Solomon in the Old Testament. What do you think about that? Great. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know anything about that book? You had some experiences with that. We were just talking a few minutes ago. I mean, you went, I think probably like a lot of people, you went through the journey of, of staring at it initially and going, what is going on, into really valuing it. T- tell us a little bit about that. Well, I remember looking at it as a kid and being like, what the heck is this about? Mm. Like, weird, kind of lovey sexual language. And I was like, um, as, <laughs> is uh, this the Bible? <laughs> as somebody described, they said it's like perfume, flowers, body parts, yeah. perfume, flower, body parts. <laughs> That's kind of the whole book. Yeah. And so um, before I went to IHOP, I really didn't have any kind of knowledge about it. I never bothered to look into it. I just thought it was a story, like just a literal story about Solomon and his girlfriend. Mm. And so I was like, okay, hey, why is this even in here? Yeah, because God's not even mentioned yeah. in the whole book. I was like, I don't get this one at all, but okay. People are talking about it, so. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then... When I went to IHOP, uh, Daniel Hooktiling did a course on it. And the way that he explained it, suddenly, like, it just became real to me. And I was like, oh, I'm the <laughs> I'm the person in the story and Jesus is my lover. Yeah. You know, like, it's weird that I never thought of it that way before. But suddenly it just made sense. And then... I realized, oh my gosh, like I can apply this to my life and I can see where I am right now mm. by reading the story. And I'm like, okay, well, is this going to happen next? Because <laughs> that's a little and bit did scary. did it happen next? Yep. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> the Bible's right again. Mm-hmm. Hmm, okay, so you came through. You You started with something where it seemed like it was almost irrelevant and unnecessary. And by the time you had interacted with it and, and the Lord was teaching you about it, it became highly valued and, and helpful, mm-hmm. actually became helpful. Okay, so that's, that's what we're going to talk about. So my recommendation just to start is that people would pull out the song, book of Song of Solomon or some translations will call it Song of Songs and uh, read it straight through. It's eight chapters long. It's found in the Old Testament. It's uh, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. The next book is Song of Songs or Song of Solomon. And uh, you can read it in half an hour easily. It's only eight chapters. And then get familiar with some of the language of it. And then that'll start your journey where the Lord can begin to teach you a little bit about what He's what he wants to say through it. So let me give you some of the background to be helpful because you're, I'm exactly where you were. I remember the first time I read it, I thought, what is going on here? Like there's some explicit kind of sexual type language. You know, I'm sure the youth group would be uh, kind of <laughs> into this, but like who else would like it? 
And I can't preach from this. Like, this is almost useless. There doesn't seem to be any Bible, any principles on how to live our lives better and nothing like that is in here. And God himself doesn't even, is not really even in the book. What is the point of this? Why is this here? And, you know, I'm not really a poetry guy. So I had to get over that as well because poetry wasn't my, my, my go-to. But once you start to make a few of those connections and you realize, okay, there's symbolism here and there's poetic, you know, metaphor. And I'm looking for some things that are not so obvious, but once you start to see them, then it kind of really opens up. So let's talk about that a little bit because person that reads this for the first time is going to be in the dark, just like we were. So here's what you need to know. The eight chapters is a love poem. Emily's right that the love poem could be about Solomon and his girlfriend. That's not inaccurate. And it could be a, a book written to describe some of the dynamics and the, and the power of human love between a man and a woman. That's, there's something there. There's some good, there's some good stuff that are, is there. But certainly it's not in the Bible just for that reason. So we would take it to the next level. The Jews in the Old Testament often saw it as the relationship between God and his people, Israel, or between God and the, the law, or the Torah. And they understood some of it through that lens. Um, but I think a more accurate picture, one that is much more helpful for us, is to understand that the characters represent uh, Jesus specifically and his bride, which, of course, we understand to be his church. All the, all the believers through all the earth and through all of history together collectively forming his bride. So in the book, you have three characters. You have one that is, depending on, again, on your translation, you're going to get a different terminology. Some will say lover and beloved, and some will use different terms for it to simplify it because it's consistent with the rest of the Bible. I'm going to use the term bridegroom, as in the groom, and the bride. And those are simple ways to understand that dynamic because the bride idea pops out all everywhere else in the Bible. So we're going to just use that term. So when you see a, a male character and a female character, think of it as a bridegroom, the groom that wants to be married to his bride, and the bride herself that longs for her groom. And then there's there's a third character in the book. It's actually a group. It's uh, They're called Friends. And they're really only there to move the story along. They Occasionally they ask a question or they make a comment that just sort of moves the poetry along. And they don't really do much else. The exchange is between the two people. So uh, do you remember the first time you had to kind of figure that out, that, that there were two characters and one of them was Jesus? Was that, was that eye-opening? Yep. <laughs> I mean, that kind of changes everything, right? When it's just Solomon, it doesn't mean anything. But when, it's, when you're suddenly realizing, wait a minute, this is the one I'm praying to, talking to, singing to, and gave my life to, and now he's reading me poetry? <laughs> this is interesting. Why is he reading me poetry? Well, I hate to tell you folks, but... Um, he's a romantic. Right. That's the pro <laughs> That's the thing. Jesus is a poet. He's a lot of things. He's an architect and he's a builder and he's a, he's a soldier and he's a politician and he's a, lot, he's a lot of things, but he's also a poet. So that's the way he is. We're going to go with it. And so in this book, he's a lover and uh, he has a beloved. And the, the story is a, a lot of poetry and a lot of language, but it also has some themes to it. It's progressing. And it'll take a little bit of work to see the progression. But once you start to understand it, you'll realize that there's something taking place in, in her. There's nothing taking place in him in terms of change, because, of course, he's, he's already complete within himself. But she is changing from chapter one to chapter eight. She's changing. In fact, the, a better way to say it is she's maturing in her love for him. 
And what what you're getting as a journey in the book is the the way in which your love for God, for Jesus, matures and the way it changes. In the early chapters, she longs to be with him, but it's all about her in the early part. She's like, come here to me where I am and give me apples and raisins under the tree and, you know, embrace me and be with me because I love all of those things here where I am. And it's all about her. And then slowly but surely as the book unfolds, he begins to pull away from her. He begins to invite her to come with him where he is. She struggles at the beginning and then eventually she she has to be with him because her heart is so one to him that she begins to go with him and do the things that he's doing. And the book progresses into a maturity where by the end of it, she is declaring, I'm his. Like, it's not about me anymore. It's about him. I am so won over to him that there's a line that says she's coming out of the wilderness. She's leaning on her beloved. She is his now. And, and he has completely matured her in love, which is really the desire of all of us. But it's hard to, to see sometimes in your journey. And you said that you're, you know, you watch the progression, you learn, you sort of learn the progression and you thought, okay, it's had, this is happening now. Is this going to happen next? And it did happen for you, right? You said the next thing was the next thing. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times that in my experience and in others, I've noticed that it's cyclical, that you sometimes get the next thing and the oh, next yeah, thing. It happens but you're all dub- the time. You're doubling back all the time, right? <laughs> yeah. You're always- I'm like, I thought it was out of the season going. Right. Because you're, you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're never quite as mature as you think you are. And so the Lord continues to work on it and strengthen He's it. He's going around the mountain one more time. <laughs> Except that he's not just dragging you around the mountain, he's he's winning your heart even more deeply. And so you might not like the journey, but you're growing, you're maturing, actually. And he's good at this, he's good at it. I remember uh, there's a strange sort of, there's strange, he has strange ways. I don't know if you've noticed that. Like the pandemic is a good example. I'll, I'll talk about that in a second. But I remember the reading one of the passages in, I think it's, I want to say it's chapter four, maybe, I can't remember, but... It's a, a passage where he comes to the door. She's in bed already. She's already, uh, you know, dressed for the night. She's she's lying in bed. She hears his hand rattling the doorknob, and she knows that he's there. And she's like, do I get up? Do I not get up? And then her heart is longing for him. And so she gets up. She throws the door open because her lover is here, and he's gone. And I remember staring at that in the early days thinking, that is the weirdest way to get a date. <laughs> You know, I used to say, imagine if if I was, you know, you think about this. I mean, you know, your mom and I, okay. So imagine me saying to your mom, I'll meet you downtown at Baked Expectations. Six o'clock. We're going to have a romantic evening. Cheesecake. <laughs> you know, it's going to be great. I'll meet you there. Six o'clock. So she she takes the bus, you know, <laughs> she, she comes down there and I'm standing in the front door waiting for her. And as she comes around the corner, she sees me, she smiles, I smile back at her. And then I immediately get in my car and drive away. Because that's, <laughs> that's what happens in the book. I mean, he, he rattles the door, he gets her heart engaged and then he leaves. And you think, okay, that's, that's just bizarre. That's a little rude. Yeah, but, but, but as we know from the fullness of the story and from his larger purposes, he knows how to get your heart. And he knows how to win your heart in such a way that you, you're you not going to stay where you are in immaturity. You're going to come after him. You're, you're saying, uh, I don't, okay, I don't want to go out now. I don't, I don't like the uncomfortableness of this, but I will do it because I want him more now than I just want my comfort. What's the difference between that and like feeling more so manipulated? 
you know, when I think of that, I'm just like, oh, like you're just pulling on my heart to get me to react. But like, what's the difference between like the intention of it, you know? Well, two things. I mean, if it was a human, if it was just another guy, you know, if it was me and your mom and I was doing that just to play with her, um, it would depend on what she thought about me. If she thought, oh, I know he really loves me and I know that he's trying to um, get me to desire him even more. He's playing a game with me right now, but I'm not offended. I kind of like it. It's it's fun. I'm going to jump in a taxi and come after him. It's all about the attitude of the heart. So when it's when it's Jesus and he's doing this, is he manipulating you or is he winning you? And if you have a confidence already to start, oh no, he's totally for me. He he wants me to be so close to him, but he knows I got all kinds of stuff that prevents me from finding him. And so he's weeding that stuff out. And again, I I picked one little passage in the middle of the book. There's a lot going on before and after that helps it. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you won't think you won't think he's manipulating you if you believe that Jesus doesn't manipulate. Right. If the rest of the Bible shows you, that's not what he's like. He's committed to me. Right. And then it sort of settles that. Think about this COVID-19 pandemic for a second. No. <laughs> Don't want to. <laughs> how, can you, how can you not? <laughs> but the Lord uses vehicles like this to accomplish the very same kinds of purposes. People are sitting at home, as we've said right since the beginning, trying to figure out what's going on, accusation and questioning the Lord rising up in their heart. They're bored. They, they, they always said, well, if only I had more time, I'd spend more time reading and praying and studying. And now that they're here, they don't do it because quite frankly, they didn't like him as much as they thought they did. And praying is more boring than I thought it would be. And they just watch Netflix instead. And the Lord says, I know you love me. I know on the inside you do. And I know that I'm going to win your heart and you're going to be fully committed to me, but I got to do some things to get you to a place where you let go of all that other stuff and you abandon yourself to me in trust. And so as much as we don't like the pandemic, there is a blessing in the middle of it for anyone that wants it because it can cause you to reach for him in a new way and it shakes off all of the old stuff. And so I, I don't, I'm not saying he, you know, he crafted it specifically so that we would all have that end point, but if you're finding yourself saying, I'm bored talking to Jesus and I don't get anything out of it. The Bible's boring and I just read my, I do my prayer list, you know, Lord, pray for my my mother and my father and pray for this and pray for that. And give me more money and give me a husband or a wife and give me a good job. And and there you go. And that's the full extent of your, your journey in Jesus. I understand why you're bored because you hardly know him. And, he, and he's on the other side going, I know that if I just set up the situation for you, you you will mature in love. You will. So I'm going to win you in all kinds of different ways. Sometimes it'll be by coming near to you and wooing your heart. And other times it'll be by pulling away and by, by saying, come after me, come with me. Sometimes it'll be, I'm going to put so much strain on your situation that you're going to have to trust me whether you like it or not. And that's kind of where we are right now, right? Everybody's on hold. I mean, are you going to trust him or are you going to, are you going to not? And the Lord's like, if you will say yes and trust me, you're going to take a big step forward. You're going to mature a little bit more. Your heart's going to be tied to me a bit more. I'm going to win you. And I, you're really going to grow in maturity and love. You're really going to end up in chapter eight, but you got to allow this to take place. And so the reason why we read it is so we know the roadmap. 
Lord, show us, feel, fill our hearts with the language of this so that we understand that the feelings of devotion that you have towards us and the possibility of what we can have towards you and and this is where it's going. I want to go from it's all about me to I, I am yours, Jesus, and I want I want to cooperate and be willing to participate in that instead of just sitting back going, I hate this. I want it to end, which is what a lot of people are doing. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is like, oh, I've got so much more for you. Just come with me. I want to I want to show you. So what are we saying today? Read the book of Song of Solomon. Read it. I would say read it many times over the next number of months, eight chapters at a time. Just read the whole thing until you're familiar with it. And then I'm going to make one more suggestion. You need a little bit of a roadmap. Um, you need some teaching. So the best teaching on it that we know uh, comes from Kansas City, from IHOP. And uh, if you go to mikebickle.org, so Mike, M-I-K-E, Bickle, B-I-C-K-L-E.org, mikebickle.org, um, he's got lots of teaching on Song of Solomon. You don't even need to listen to the whole series and break it down verse by verse to get the roadmap. You can listen to anything that you see that's like overview of Song of Solomon. Just find one teaching. It's going to be an hour long, and it will give you the breakdown that will be sufficient to at least get you moving in the right direction. And then I say, Lord, show me, show me, show me, because I want to grow in love. I want to mature. I don't want to be stuck here forever. Help me to, to make my way. And boy, isolation is a good time for that to take place. I used to think of it as like the book being one scenario like for your whole life you know like you do it and then you got it down and then you're good right you know but it's applicable in every single scenario Mm -hmm. that like i used it three years ago when i was coming home from ihop and that whole journey and now we're using it again and you're just ending up in chapter eight in every single uh, circumstance that you're living. It's not just like your life you're going to end up, but as you keep going and doing the book and living it, then at the end of your life, you will be in chapter eight for real. Yeah. Well, I mean, the great thing about it is that at the end of your life, when you breathe your last, whether he comes back to get you at the second coming or you depart like everyone else in death, you cross through and you stare him right in the eyes. And there he is. Everybody, everything that you've been building towards and all that he's been doing in you is suddenly realized. He's, there he is right there. And then eternity begins and there's no separation. You know, now you really get to understand. And so to long for him now and to develop love in your heart for him right now is going to be such a blessing and is going to be so helpful for the rest of your life and on into the next age. Because I think when you get there, I think he's going to smile and say, my guess would be he's going to smile and say, thank you for spending so much time thinking about how I feel about you and thinking about how you can grow closer to me. It really meant a lot to me and I helped you. And here we are. That'll be a good day. (laughs) Well, that's all we have time for today. If you want more information on this topic and others, you can check out our website at sanctuaryhop.com. And on behalf of myself and my dad, thanks for listening to Shopcast. Shopcast.